The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary and every week, we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash bpshow. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. He's in. Joe Biden making it official with the release of his video just about um, less than an hour ago, becoming uh, number 20 among Democrats to run for president 20 in 2020. Uh, and not unexpected, but um, a long-awaited uh, entry of Joe Biden into the presidential race. And with that breaking news, what do you say, everybody? Great to see you today. Here we go. It is Thursday, April 25. The Bill Press Show live from our nation's capital with you, joining you right alongside of you everywhere you are in this great land, wherever you are in this great land of ours. We're there with you online, we're there with you on the radio, we're there with you on television, uh, bringing you the news of the day, uh, the analysis and insight from uh, from the best guests we can round up, and your comments as well. Always welcome. And today, very honored and proud to be joined by uh, one of those 20 Democratic candidates for president, former Congressman John Delaney from Maryland, the first one. I believe, to actually jump in to the presidential race. We'll find out from him uh, for sure. Uh, he is serious. He is running. He intends to be on stage in the first debate, and he'll be here to tell us uh, why he's running, how he expects to win, and how you can help uh, the candidate John Delaney, Democrat, running for president. So, lots going on. We want to hear from you, your comments on the news of the day on Twitter, at BP Show. On Twitter, at BP Show. Sound off. Lots to talk about today uh, on Joe Biden and a whole lot more. But first, this is the Full Court Press. Well, uh, Peter Ockburn is off, so the Full Court Press uh, always, the burden falls on me. Uh, for uh, the, for this week. Uh, and I just wanted you to know that if you were looking for that special pet, uh, there might be an opportunity. Uh, there is an auction uh, today 
It's uh, going to be an auction uh, online, uh, or you can do it actually uh, in person uh, as well. As well, uh, it's an auction down in um, in person. It will take place live in Florida, Gainesville, Florida, uh, and it is organized by the Gulf Coast Livestock Auction. Now, here's what's interesting about this auction. So this is an auction of exotic animals. Exotic animals that were once the property um, of a gentleman down in Florida, uh, Mr. Marvin Ajos, I guess you would say, H-A-J-O-S, Mr. Marvin Ajos. He had this whole collection of exotic animals, and they are now all up for sale. They include very colorful macaws, they include um, lemurs. Uh, they include uh, kookaburra, kookaburras, whatever the hell they are. I don't even know. And here's the most important point. They also include a several, actually, cassowaries. These cassowaries, you know, I had to look them up to find out what they are. They are the ugliest birds, I think, that exist. They are huge birds. Um... They have an almost prehistoric appearance. Their bright blue faces are topped with a horn-like ridge, just reading from the description of them, and their bodies, which can weigh up to 130 pounds, are covered with dark feathers. Now, there's one cassowary here that is pretty unusual because that cassowary is the bird that killed the owner of this menagerie. Killed the owner with his claws, and now because the family is just selling all the animals off, including the killer bird. So I would just say, talk about big bird. Yeah, uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna be um, bidding on one of the cassowaries, I would suggest don't buy the one that killed the owner. This is the Bill Press Show. All right. The magic word. It is 20 for 2020. Yes, indeed, Joe Biden. Just uh, less than an hour ago, making it official. Joe Biden in the race for president of the United States. Hello, everybody. What do you say? Welcome. Welcome to the Bill Press Show this Thursday, Thursday, April 25. Great to see you today. We are coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our studio on Capitol Hill with all the news of the day, whether it's happening here in Washington, around the country, or around the globe. We got it. We got it covered. We'll tell you all about it, and you tell us what it all means to you. We're joining you, of course, uh, on every platform we can find. We're joining you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. We're here with you on the radio statewide in Indiana on Indiana Talks. And Chicago, how about it? You're looking good. Chicago, we are there with you on WCPT, the great progressive voice of Chicago. And joining you, of course, on television as well, Free Speech TV. Great lineup of guests today. Julia Marsh, Julia Manchester, rather, who a uh, reporter for The Hill, covering all things political for The Hill, will be joining us in just about a half an hour. Uh, and then Eliza Collins covers Congress for USA Today, one of our regular guests. And tapping off the show today at uh, our, in our last half hour, 
candidate for president, John Delaney, one of the 20 candidates for president, the first one to jump in into the race, former member of Congress from Maryland's 6th Congressional District, a very successful businessman, uh, served three terms in Congress, and now running for president. He'll be here to tell us why he's running, how he expects to beat out such giants as Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders and Kamala Harris, and, of course, now Joe Biden, uh, and also how you can help if you're so inclined to do so after you hear what John Delaney has to say. So lots going on here, and don't forget, we always want to hear from you. Most importantly, send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show, on Twitter, at BP Show. Joe Biden, yes, he is in, uh, and um, the, the bumper sticker or the slogan, according to Gail Collins in the New York Times this morning, is, vote for Joe, you can already spell his name. Ah, there it is. <laughs> what does Joe Biden have to offer? Well, for one thing, he's got a lot of experience to offer and uh, a lot of um, middle American values and character to offer as well. And he is presenting himself as the guy that can pull the entire party together and, most importantly, win those key Midwest states, which Hillary Clinton ignored and thereby lost. It was Joe Biden's video this morning. That's the way all the can most of the candidates are doing it this time around, as we know. Um, the video released today and his big rally announcement official will be Monday uh, in Pittsburgh. Here, just a few moments ago, Joe Biden. Everything that has made America, America is at stake. That's why today I'm announcing my candidacy for president of the United States. Okay, and uh, Joe Biden says, you know, it's he reflects a lot, or affects a lot in this video on um, Charlottesville and what the president said in Charlottesville, how this does not represent America and how we've got to get back to what America is really all about. I believe history will look back on four years of this president and all he embraces as an aberrant moment in time. But if we give Donald Trump eight years in the White House, he will forever and fundamentally alter the character of this nation, who we are. And I cannot stand by and watch that happen. Joe Biden, 76 years old, uh, a year younger than uh, Bernie Sanders, would be the oldest president ever elected. Uh, and um, be very interested in your comments, of course, on what do you think Joe Biden brings to this race. Uh, interesting, I have found, just, just a little anecdotally, uh, last night I joined a couple of friends from California, long, long, long-time Democrats, very liberal Democrats, uh, for dinner. Uh, and um, one of them said, you know, I've been waiting, I've been waiting, I've been watching this field. Um, there, a lot of them are really exciting, but I don't think any of them can win. Uh, I'm waiting for Joe Biden. I was surprised, knowing how liberal she is, uh, that, that that was her choice. And then uh, Carol and I hopped in a cab to come home from, from, uh, from dinner. Um, the cab driver was from Somalia. He's been here 30 years. He's an American citizen now. Uh, and as we, um, he recognized me, whatever. So we got to the house and I paid. And then he said, uh, now before you get out, I just have one thing I have to say. And he started, and I, I was, I had no idea where he was going about. He follows politics. He's met a lot of these candidates. He's watched them all. He watches CNN. He watches MSNBC. He watches Fox. He's a real political junkie. 
and he said, I'm telling you, Donald Trump is so dangerous for this country. And he said, and there's only one person who can beat him, Joe Biden. And I thought, holy, whoa, Biden's maybe got more support than we think. Uh, he's not as far left as Bernie Sanders nor Elizabeth Warren. Um, he's a white male, um, but he does bring, and it's just, this is his third run for president. Uh, he doesn't have anywhere near the grassroots base uh, or the fundraising base among certainly small donors that Elizabeth Warren, or that Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Beto O'Rourke have. Uh, but he does have that uh, long experience in public service in the Senate and uh, in the in the White House, of course, as vice president. Uh, and he does have that sort of blue collar, down home, next door neighbor, working guy, Joe, uh, that people like and like about him. And, and that solidity, if you will, or solidarity that he brings to the race. He is uh, the favorite candidate of several of the labor unions. He's going to Pittsburgh in a big rally that's sponsored by the United Steelworkers, one of the sponsors of our program. Uh, his He has had the strong support the last time when we thought he might run in 1212, uh, 2012 rather, and this time, one of his earliest supporters has been uh, the Firefighters Union uh, under the leadership of President Harold Schaatberger, uh, again, one of the big sponsors of, uh, of the uh, Bill Press show. So he'll have strong labor support, strong middle America support, strong, I think, establishment democratic support, and as of this moment, Politico this morning, the morning consult poll, sh poll shows, and these early polls are not that meaningful, we know, but still, he starts out with an eight-point advantage over Donald Trump, 42 to 34, where the election held today, according to this Politico poll, um, which they released this morning as well. So on experience, and you know, the word that um, I've heard some people say about Joe Biden when they look at the entire field, uh, uh, by the way, let me let me uh, <clears throat> um, underscore again. I am not endorsing anybody in this race so far. I'm just trying. I'm trying to give you a little analysis and insights into what I hear from other Democrats about Joe Biden and what strength I think he brings uh, to the race. Um, he's certainly not as exciting as Elizabeth Warren. Again, not as much a charger and a big, strong, progressive liberal as Bernie Sanders. The word that I hear people use about Joe Biden is he's normal. <laughs> he brings a sense of normality, right? The kind of kind of guy that everybody can like. Uh, and he's been the front runner in all the polls. So um, took him a little while to make up his mind. Um, a, a little awkward about when's he going to endorse, announce this week or last week or Wednesday or Thursday. That's behind us. He's in the and he is number twenty. Uh, among the Democratic candidates. Changes the whole race. Um, and by the way, uh, meanwhile, on another front, and we'll get back to uh, most of the other Democratic candidates who were were in yesterday, were at the big She the People uh, event down uh, in Texas. We'll get to that in just a moment. But uh, war is really opening up. It is just about all-out war now between Donald Trump and the United States Congress. Uh, as we know, um, Congress, now the Democrats control the House, they are proceeding in several committees to take a look at, to exercise, do their job, put it bluntly, do their job, exercise their, their oversight responsibility, uh, and they've started hearings in the House Banking Committee, the Oversight Committee, the Judiciary Committee, 
the Intelligence Committee um, to look at some of the issues, among others, that are raised in the Mueller report. What about these 10 um, different occasions on which, according to the special counsel, Donald Trump actively tried to obstruct justice? Uh, how serious are they? Uh, and so the House wanted to know more about that. What about Donald Trump's finances? Uh, what about these hush money payments to the porn stars? Uh, lots, so many issues that got no attention, no scrutiny at all when Republicans had control of the House. So those hearings are underway, and in order to get the information they need to conduct the hearings, uh, the House House Democrats have either requested documents or sent subpoenas out to obtain documents and to get certain witnesses to testify, in response to which the Trump administration, Donald, starting with Donald Trump himself, has said, we are not going to cooperate in any way whatsoever with any of the Democratic committees. Uh, they, meaning we're not going to turn over any documents, we're not going to provide any witnesses, we're not going to appear, we're not going to cooperate again in any way whatsoever. And Donald Trump says, if they insist, if they push it, we will take it all the way to the Supreme Court, which means we're going to have, I think, a classic constitutional clash over the separation of powers. Can the executive just stiff arm the legislative branch and say, we will not cooperate with you anyway whatsoever? Uh, Donald Trump made this very clear yesterday. Uh, he and the First Lady went down to Atlanta, Georgia on his way out. Pardon, <coughs> Pardon me. He stopped talking to reporters, and this is how he now um, refers to the Robert Mueller team, the FBI. These are all Department of Justice employees, right? For Donald Trump, they're the 18 angry Democrats. We just went through the Mueller witch hunt where you had really 18 angry Democrats that hate President Trump. They hate him with a passion. They were contributors in many cases to Hillary Clinton. Hate them with a passion. How they picked this panel, I don't know. And they came up with no collusion, and they actually also came up with no obstruction. But our attorney general ruled, based on the information, there was no obstruction. So you have no collusion, no obstruction. Uh, yeah, but of course that's not what the report says. That's what Donald Trump says. That's what Bill Barr said. The report concluded when you read the report. And I will remind you, I've got it whole report right here. I've been reading a little bit of it every day. That's not what the report says. The report says there was lots of collusion, just not enough to constitute a criminal conspiracy. And the report documents at least 10 occasions on which Donald Trump did try to obstruct justice. So the really summation of the report is lots of collusion, lots of attempts to obstruct justice, no crime committed so far in, on the obstruction of justice. We know Robert Mueller didn't even um, reach a decision. He punted on whether or not the crime had committed on obstruction of justice. So Donald Trump continues to sum it up that way. He also claims, of course, that we have done, <laughs> this is funny, at the same time he's pledging to obstruct and get in the way of anything Congress tries to do, he brags about being the most transparent administration ever. 
We have been, I have been the most transparent president and administration in the history of our country by far. Uh, this, this says the man who will not release his tax returns. First president in modern days not to do so, Republican or Democrat. Uh, this is the same man who would not testify, would not meet with the special counsel, Robert Mueller. This is the same man who 30 times uh, in response to the written question submitted to him by Robert Mueller uh, said, I can't remember, I don't recall, or whatever. Uh, and this is a man uh, who lied about um, hush money payments to Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal until he was caught and Michael Cohen admitted the truth. So it, he's the least. And this, I might also say, this is the administration that has not held a White House briefing in almost 50 days now. I think it may be 50 days now. Only two briefings entire entirely two briefings so far this year uh, the least transparent administration that we've had uh, ever probably um and back to the uh just skipping down um, mckenna to what he says about cooperating with members of congress get this he's not going to cooperate with them he says because they are not impartial these aren't like impartial people the democrats are trying to win 2020. They're not going to win with the people that I see, and they're not going to win against me. The only way they can maybe luck out, and I don't think that's going to happen, it might make it even the opposite, that's what a lot of people are saying, the only way they can luck out is by constantly going after me on nonsense. I, I love that. The Democrats are not impartial people. Duh. Yeah, right. They're Democrats. Do you think the Republicans are impartial people? Do you think for the last two years under Donald Trump, when the Republicans just said, what do you want, Mr. President? Yes, 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 yes. Held no oversight hearings whatsoever. None. You don't think they were playing the political card uh, and what was best for their party when they controlled the Congress? Yeah, sure they were. So are the Democrats doing the same thing right now. Donald Trump has just hasn't accepted the fact that there are three branches of government and not and not everybody is there just to work for him. Uh, and the Congress has its role, which he still simply still has not accepted. At any rate, uh, even even on the subject of impeachment, Donald Trump says if they start impeachment hearings, he will go to the Supreme Court to say they have no right to hold impeachment hearings. Of course they do. You've heard me say I don't think it's the best move for Democrats to do right away. Um, I think they ought to focus on these hearings and focus on the 2020 campaign and building the best case they can against Donald Trump. But Congress certainly has the right to hold impeachment hearings. They've certainly got the right to hold oversight hearings. And I would say also that just as the legislative branch has a duty and responsibility to work with the executive to do what's best for the people of this country, the executive has a duty and responsibility to work with the legislative branch to do what's best for the American people uh, as well. Uh, it's not just a one-way street. Uh, and on that point as well, uh, one more case of not being so transparent. Uh, yesterday was the second deadline for the president given by uh, Congress for the Treasury Department to turn over the president's tax returns. Um, once again, for the second time, the Treasury Department refused to do so. But they said they would make a decision on whether or not they're going to release the president's tax returns. They'll make that decision 
uh, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin said yesterday, by May the 6th, May 6th, yeah, and you watch, May 6th, which is just next week, end of next week, um, they will, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll announce officially they're never going to do so. Uh, now we go back to, I mentioned, this uh, big She the People concert um, held down in Texas yesterday. Uh, so this is, these are basically um, women of color uh, who uh, banded together um, in an organization and had this big, big rally, invited uh, all the candidates to, I think most of the candidates at any rate. Uh, it's the She the People Presidential Forum hosted in Houston. Um, and the question put to all of the candidates was, I know very interesting responses, I think, we are um, women of color, we are political activists, we are Democrats, why should we vote for you? Uh, a very interesting question when there was only really one, only one woman of color among the candidates, and that is Kamala Harris, uh, but they all took their turn uh, here, in, in no particular order, Amy Klobuchar. I can't pretend to be in your shoes. I'm in one of your shoes um, as the first woman in many of the jobs I've had. And I know what it's like to be in that room when people aren't taking you seriously. Yeah, so uh, at least in that one sense, I thought that was a, a, a good point. Um, she has been in, in, uh, in many, many jobs, including, I think, Attorney General of Minnesota, the first woman in that job. Uh, that qualifies her. Uh, Bernie Sanders just has to say, and does so pretty uh, persuasively, look at my record. Look at my record and look at what I have campaigned on. Many of the ideas that I brought forth four years ago are now widely accepted by the American people and Democratic candidates from school board to president of the United States. So my campaign is about not just winning the nomination, not just defeating Trump. It is the understanding that we cannot transform this country unless millions of people, black and white and Latino, Asian American, Native American, stand up and take on the very powerful, greedy special interests who dominate the economic and political life of this country. Bernie Sanders, he's always in high gear, pardon me, it seems. And Beto O'Rourke, again, he, he sort of goes back to what is the... Um, the thrust of his entire campaign is meet, going around, holding as many events as he can, and not really coming out with any big policy proposals, but just listening to what people have to say. Not something that, that I'm owed, um, not something that I expect, uh, something that I fully hope to earn by the work that I do on the campaign trail, by, by showing up and listening to the people that I want to serve. Uh, and Cory Booker uh, scores here, I think, by pointing out that uh, I am, he says, I am where I am because of a very strong woman of color. You know, as a man that was raised by a strong black woman who understood and taught me from my very earliest of ages the debt that I owe. Women of color can trust me as someone for my entire career has been rooted in the communities that have empowered me to be who I am today. And I have to say that once again, she is so good in front of a crowd. Elizabeth Warren, uh, just as I thought she excelled in the CNN town hall Monday night, 
um, from uh, New Hampshire, St. Anselm's in New Hampshire, uh, she really read this room correctly, I think, yesterday, identifying with the women who were there uh, and inspiring them. Uh, so again, why should you support me? Elizabeth Warren, I identify with you. We got a room full of people here who weren't given anything. We got a room full of people here who had to fight for what they believe in. We have a room full of people here who had to reach down deep and no matter how hard it was, no matter how scary it looked, they found what they needed to find and they brought it up and they took care of the people they loved. They fought the fights they believe in. That's how they got into these seats today. It's how are we going to fight? Not not just individually, but how are we going to fight together? Are we going to fight because we're afraid? Are we going to show up for people that we didn't actually believe in, but because we were too afraid to do anything else? That's not who we are. That's not how we're going to do this. Yep. Uh, turning them on there, Elizabeth Warren, Julian Castro also saying, uh, I am, like Cory Booker, sort of, I am where I am because of a couple of proud women of color. Uh, I am only here because of two very strong women of color. I have dedicated my time in public service to making sure that people just like my mother and my grandmother could do better in this country. It's why I focused in my time as mayor and as HUD secretary so much on trying to deliver for communities that are vulnerable, that are struggling. And finally, Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris the one woman of color running for president of the United States, saying again, uh, this is my career, this is what I've been fighting for, uh, you can trust me to continue that. I am a leader on the issue of maternal mortality that invariably and disproportionately impacts women of color. On my history and long-term work in terms of education, including what I'm proposing right now, which is to close the teacher pay gap, which will disproportionately impact children of color and the women of color that are raising them. For my work on criminal justice reform, my work when it comes to economic security and health for women and women of color. There is a long history of work I have done, including my mentorship of young women of color in politics and in the professions. And I would stake my reputation in terms of what I will do going forward based on what I've done, and I believe you can judge me that way. There it is. Yep. All of them lining up there in front of the She the People uh, yesterday, and that is, of course, one day before Joe Biden pops in. Uh, Joe Biden, by the way, uh, just a little footnote on that, uh, endorsed this morning for president by two fellow senators, well, not fellow senators, but two senators, uh, his fellow Democrat, Chris Coons, uh, and um, the senator from his home state of Pennsylvania, uh, Bob Casey, both endorsing uh, Joe Biden uh, this morning. So, off to a good start. Um, Diane Feinstein from California has uh, previously uh, endorsed uh, Joe Biden. The only other senators who have endorsed, as I recall, Pat Leahy has endorsed, um, um, bang, bang, uh, <laughs> of course, Bernie Sanders, right? Uh, and one other, get now, but has a home state advantage at any rate. 
uh, but those three. Uh, and finally, you know, just listening to those um, Democratic candidates yesterday, uh, I was struck this morning by some letters to the editor of the New York Times on this whole, okay, we got 20 candidates. How do we choose from? Do we go for a woman, a person of color, uh, LGBT, LGBT candidate, or what? You know, and this is these letters reflect what I've been hearing more and more from Democrats around the country is forget identity politics, Forget whether it's a man or a woman or black or white. I just want somebody who could beat Donald Trump. I don't care who it is. I just want somebody who's going to beat Donald Trump. Uh, let me just read part of this first letter in the letters to the editor this morning in the New York Times. Uh, this is from a woman, Betsy Frank, New York. No idea who she is. She said uh, about do Democrats need a white male as a face of the party or a woman of color? What is it, she says. Uh, and I wanted a woman, a very specific woman, to win the presidency in 2016. When she didn't, I mourned and then looked ahead to 2020. Now we have a large, impressive, and diverse group of potential Democratic candidates, including a good percentage of dynamic and highly qualified women. Great. But the argument that the candidate to take on and defeat Donald Trump must be a woman or a person of color is absurd, says, again, Betsy Frank of New York. Where is it written that a man cannot represent women or a white person cannot represent people of color or a 70-year-old cannot represent millennials or a gay white man cannot represent straight biracial America? We need to select the most qualified person, not the one who seems to check the diversity boxes. And I hear that from more and more people. We've got a great field of candidates. Again, one of them, John Delaney, is going to be our guest just about an hour from now. Uh, and the key is not which box you check. The only box that counts is who can beat Donald Trump, who is the strongest candidate, who's got the strongest message against Donald Trump. I agree with that. I think that's what we've got to be looking for. Uh, and I'm not sure of that person yet. Maybe you are. I'm not quite yet. Uh, so, lots going on here this morning. Julia Manchester joins us next from The Hill to continue uh, talking about the big news of the day. The biggest story, of course, is Joe Biden jumping into the race. It is the Bill Press Show on this Thursday, April 25. Good to have you with us. Take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. You got it. Thursday, April 25. Hello, 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 and welcome back to The Bill Press Show, booming out to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and our studio on Capitol Hill, where we're brought to you today by the United Steelworkers, uh, and their very energetic and colorful international president, Leo Girard, the United Steelworkers are the hosts of Joe Biden on Monday as he officially launches his campaign with a big rally in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. That's the headquarters of the United Steelworkers. I've been there at their headquarters. Uh, they are America's large, North America's largest industrial union, representing over 1.2 million active and retired members, uh, and one of the unions that has encouraged Joe Biden to get into the race. Check out their website at United Steelworkers, or USW, just simply USW, 
uh, .org. Um, uh, as you know, we've, uh, well, first of all, let's welcome to the studio. Uh, joining us from the Great Hill newspaper, thehill.com. Uh, you know I have a particular bias toward the Hill because I'm a columnist for the Hill <laughs> on Tuesday. Julia Manchester, um, sort of a roundabout political reporter on everything for the Hill. Yes, thank you for having Julia. me today. Nice to see you. Thanks for coming in. Yeah. Uh, we've been uh, sort of beating the drums here for the last uh, 40 minutes or so. Uh, and McKenna stirring up uh, some comments and... Uh, we have a little poll going, too, here, right? Yes, the poll has nine minutes left, so you still have oh time my God. to answer. Oh, my God. All right. Oh, how exciting. <laughs> Very exciting. The question is? The question is, do you agree with Bernie Sanders' view that people in prison should have the right to vote? Mm-hmm. So far, we have 50, 50% saying good idea, 36% saying bad idea, and 14% saying no opinion. And we have bad mama jamma Chris saying, <laughs> voting is a right, not a reward for good behavior. Come on, Americans. And you can do that poll. You still have okay. nine minutes. So if you haven't already done so, go to BillPressShow.com and uh, vote on, on that particular poll. And, Julia, uh, the big story, uh, not a big surprise except what day it was finally going to happen, but uh, Joe Biden finally made it official this morning, a little over an hour ago, with his um, video um, and where he touched on a lot of the themes we're going to be hearing from him, right, that Donald Trump has taken this country in the, in the wrong direction uh, and he is the one who can write the ship. We've heard some of the audio of the video before. Here's another little clip from Joe Biden's video this morning. Folks, America's an idea, an idea that's stronger than any army, bigger than any ocean, more powerful than any dictator or tyrant. It gives hope to the most desperate people on earth. It guarantees that everyone is treated with dignity and gives hate no safe harbor. So I guess he's presenting himself as the what the grown-up in the room or the uh, the experienced person, right? Ab- absolutely. And what really struck me about this video, Bill, was looking at the other candidates' announcements, some of their rhetoric, their appearances. They're obviously talking about Donald Trump, but they're talking more, coming out of the gate more about policy. And that might be because they don't have the same kind of name recognition and influence Joe Biden has. But Joe Biden, he'll get to those policies gun control, but he's coming out of the gate really going after Donald Trump and using Charlottesville. Really, you know, I think that he his strategy there is he know it knows it's going to stir up some headlines and he's really appealing to this one factor that unifies Democrats and progressives. You know, you hear a lot about there being this divide within the Democratic Party, you know, the progressives versus the establishment. But there's one thing they all agree on is that they want to beat Donald Trump and they need to beat Donald Trump. And this is Joe Biden really coming out and saying, here's how I'm going to do that. Here's how I'm going to unify this party. So it'll be interesting to see how the other candidates react. He's already getting um, two um, popular Senate endorsements this morning from Chris Coons and Bob Casey. So he's going, he's, you know, has a very, he's had a successful launch this morning, I would say. However, he also has a fundraising event tonight that is being hosted by an executive from Comcast Universal. Mm -hmm. I think that will be interesting to see how candidates like um, uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren react to that because that's obviously a major corporate donor and obviously we know how they feel about the influence of corporations in politics. So Joe Biden completely changing the dynamic of this race in just an hour. They have proven, uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren have proven that you do not need political action committees. You don't need big PACs and you don't need big corporations or you don't need big checks to fuel a presidential campaign. 
Uh, Joe Biden doesn't have that capacity. He's going to have to do it the old fashioned way. Yeah, he doesn't. And this right. does not surprise Meaning me at all. Big donors. Yes. Fundraising dinners, receptions. They, the way people used to do it. Exactly. Get, he, get he, as many people to write the biggest check you can. Right, exactly. I mean, this is how he's been doing politics for decades now. And, you know, this is how, you know, I think Obama, obviously, that can't, his campaign with Obama had a grassroots movement, but nothing to the same capacity that Bernie Sanders has had, for an example. So it'll be interesting to see how those kind of two machines, the grassroots machine versus the more establishment machine, really face up in this election. Because, you know, obviously... In 2016, Hillary Clinton ended up, you know, coming out on top in all of that. But I think this is a completely different race this time. And Bernie Sanders does have more name recognition. He does have a bigger donor list this time. So is it is part of um, what people are looking for in Biden? Is it sort of, okay? we tried to win with a woman in 2016 and we failed now we need to go the safer back to the safer way of with a sort of dependable white male so when I look at Biden, I don't necessarily, the gender question doesn't necessarily pop up in my mind first. With Biden, I think more of the question is, how does he appeal to those blue-collar working-class voters in formerly Democratic states that flipped for Donald Trump in 2016, such as Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin? Joe Biden obviously has very deep blue-collar roots, and he's been able to very much connect with those voters. However, on the gender no, front— Seems to be yes, one of his exactly. strengths. Yes, uh, considered by a lot of Democrats, mm-hmm. is he can appeal to Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Ohio, mm-hmm. right? Yes. However, on the Democrats need absolutely didn't get it. Yes, twenty sixteen. Absolutely, and I would say on the Trump ge- country. Right, right. On the gender front, though, I do believe you know we 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 hear I guess the gender and race front, if you will. We keep on hearing about the, the need to get these blue collar voters, et cetera, et cetera. The Democratic Party still needs to galvanize its base, which is largely um, made up of minorities and women. And obviously, we're seeing suburban women increasingly moving towards the Democratic Party. We saw it in 2018 in those midterms. So I think Joe Biden, you know, I think any ticket on the Democratic side right now needs to be diverse. So I would be shocked, you know, if Joe Biden, for example, got the nomination. That's a hypothetical I'd be shocked if he didn't pick a woman. We saw Cory Booker come out yesterday and, um, you know, tell a publication that he he vowed to pick a woman. So I think gender Cory is, Booker is the only one who has yes. said there will be a woman on my ticket as vice president. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And it's I think it's going to be very right. important. But I think for, you're right. Right. And I think it's going to be important for Biden not going to be two this time. White men. No, no, it can't sure. be. They need to contrast themselves with Trump and Pence as much as possible. Um, and I think for Biden, picking a woman is very important because although they weren't necessarily sexual assault allegations, I do think these allegations of inappropriate touching, how he's behaved towards women in the past, Republicans are going to use that. Even though Donald Trump is obviously has talked openly about you know sexual assault. We saw it on that Access Hollywood tape. Republicans are still going to use that. So I think it's very important that Joe Biden focuses on this issue of gender right. on this campaign. Uh, one of the f- features that you do on the Hill uh, with our good friend Jamal Simmons mm-hmm. is um, what's America thinking, right? Yeah. Uh, polls on uh, breaking news Exa- almost every day. Exactly. Uh, what are Americans thinking um, about the Mueller report. 
So we've done some. We know what Donald Trump is thinking. We, which, we, no we, collusion, <laughs> no obstruction. We hear it every day on Twitter. Yeah. Um, so Americans are very dug in on their views on the Mueller report. So we did a poll a couple of days ago that found that 76 percent of Americans say that the redacted uh, version of the Mueller report that was released last week didn't necessarily change their mind. You know, I think. Uh, Americans, although the vast majority wanted to see it in its entirety or as much of it as they possibly could, they've already made a decision on it. You know, so I don't think it's necessarily going to change many people's minds ahead of 2020. I think people know, you know, what they're they they have their opinions on the Mueller report set. And in terms of voting, so it didn't and, change many minds. No, it, it didn't. It didn't. And then in terms of, I guess. Uh, issues of voting, I think obviously, and I, I want to be careful how I say this, obviously Americans believe the report is important and, you know, the, they're concerned about the extent that Russia was able to um, influence the U.S. 2016 election. However, I think 2018 showed us that kitchen table issues such as health care and the economy are priorities. So I think Democrats in Congress right now need to be careful to walk that fine line ahead of 2020 and how they approach this Mueller report, because although it's important to the American people, it's not necessarily the top of that priority list. Well, which is a point that several Democrats have made um, when they're asked the question about impeachment. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, not quoting word for word, but in the C- CNN town hall Monday evening, when Bernie Sanders was asked, Bernie right. said, uh, you know, clearly the president's done a lot of things wrong. But if for the next year and a half, all we're talking about is Trump, 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 Mueller, 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 we're not talking about Healthcare. We're not talking about climate change. We're not talking about education. We're Mm -hmm. not talking about jobs. We're not talking about minimum wage. We're not talking about the things that people really care about. Mm -hmm. And that is a that's a black hole that Democrats could fall into. Exactly. And I think Warren, with her calculation and coming out and calling for impeachment proceedings to begin in the House, I mean. I think it's interesting because Warren, compared to people like uh, other candidates like Beto O'Rourke or Pete Buttigieg, she's actually put so much emphasis on policy. She's talked quite a bit about policy. I would say some political consultants would say maybe a little too much Mm -hmm. for the campaign trail. But I think her in her, you know, comments about impeachment, she's really setting a trend within um, the on the campaign trail right now, because after she said that, we saw that Julian Castro, Wayne Messam, the um, Miramar, Florida mayor who is in the race, and Kamala oh, Harris. God, I forgot about him. I, there's so many. <laughs> it's hard to keep track. And then Kamala Harris, they all um, essentially followed suit. So, you know, she's kind of been lagging in the polls behind Sanders, Biden, um, sometimes O'Rourke and Buttigieg. But this is her way of, I think, drawing attention to that issue and creating some more name recognition for herself in this race. Yeah, she has been even more than Bernie Sanders out in front on policy pronouncements. Absolutely. Absolutely. Every time she speaks and she's so and and, 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 as you point out, she's the first one to say, got to start the in response to the Mueller report, have to start the impeachment hearings right away. Definitely. And others have followed her lead. Not everybody, Mm -hmm. but Definitely. And I think she was the first one who came out saying, we've got to get rid of the Electoral College. 
Yes, exactly. I mean, I feel like with this, everyone's talking about the Biden-Bernie dynamic, but I'm actually interested, especially ahead of the debates, to see how Warren and Bernie play out because there's going to be this huge battle for the progressive vote. So, you know, I think that's going to be one of the key battles. I mean, I'm probably, I'm very interested in seeing how that plays out. No, I've talked about that too. Uh, To me, they're in the same lane Mm -hmm. and only one person is in the end is going to be in that lane. Yes, absolutely. And And I, so- I think Bernie has a huge advantage having run before when she didn't, having built up that base, having kept that base alive, the grassroots base and the fundraising base. And so she's got to overtake him in that lane. And Bernie put the ideas out there, which almost everybody's espousing now, including Elizabeth Warren. But now she's taking it even further. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think that's a real challenge for her to basically to knock Bernie off the progressive perch, right? Absolutely. And I think her recent comments about student debt, well, her her student debt proposal in the Senate, I mean, that's a huge play for that progressive millennial base that has been very much behind Bernie Sanders. And that's a huge play for them. And her comments about impeachment. I mean, this is her really trying to rally up that support, rally up those donors ahead of these debates, because I think, you know, this is this is a preparation for the debates. I really think it is because we're going to see how her and Sanders really differentiate themselves who can be the most progressive uh so by the way if your polling shows that 79 percent of the american people are kind of dug in dug in right but that means those who were didn't like donald trump maybe still don't like him and don't like him even more but it also means that the donald trump base is dug in and no matter what the report says they're, they're not shaken at all. Absolutely. But there was some polling earlier this week from Morning Consult, and it saw we, we watched his approval ratings for months now, and it always seems to be in this mid 40 percent range. Sometimes it drops a couple points yeah. under, yeah. sometimes a couple points over. He was down at 39%. Right, went down from 44 to 39. Yes, and that to me shows some sort of crack in his base. And this is pure speculation on my part, but, you know, we often, you know, slam Democrats for talking too much about the Mueller report. Well, that criticism also goes towards Donald Trump. And as much as, you know, Donald Trump says no collusion, no collusion, well, he seems to be denying it so much on Twitter. It's like, well, why don't you try to focus on other policy proposals? You know, he's he's out there talking about it just as much with all this denial. Giuliani, his personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, also making news on this. So I don't think he necessarily helps himself with his base because I think his base also wants to see him follow through on his policy promises, mm-hmm. whether it's the wall or tax cuts, which he did follow through with. They want to see that, uh, you know, that progress as well. Or maybe uh, even a trillion-dollar plan for infrastructure. Sure. <laughs> um, on that front, um, there is uh, it, it. There's no doubt the Republican Party today is the party of Donald Trump. Mm. There's no doubt that he has what is it, 85, 88 percent support yeah. among Republicans. Um, but it's not universal. There's at least one person who is going around the country. Uh, talking about the possibility of, well, we know William Weld is already in. Right. I don't think anybody takes William Weld that seriously. Yeah. He's a good man, but. Right, right. But, uh, however, there's somebody else running around the country. He's been to 10 states already. He has 16 more states that he says he's going to visit before he makes up his mind. And that's Maryland Governor Larry Hogan, yes. who was asked yesterday up at the politics and egg breakfast in, um, in uh, at St. Anselm's in, in uh, 
New Hampshire, uh, Manchester, about the fact that the Republican National Committee has basically put out an edict. You know, you have to support Donald Trump or you are out of the Republican Party. Uh, here's Larry Hogan. I was pretty critical of that. Um, you know, not that the, the Republican National Committee doesn't have the right to support the sitting president, uh, but to change the rules and to uh, insist 100 uh, percent loyalty to the dear leader. It just didn't sound it didn't sound very uh, much like the Republican Party that I grew up in. <laughs> yeah. The dear leader. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you you hear those characters like Larry Hogan, John Kasich, um, you know, former Senator Jeff Flake really make a lot of these comments. We really have yet to see really a resistance within the Republican Party forming. Or anybody willing to stand up. Exactly. Really. Exactly. So, yeah. So it seems like a lot yeah. of talk on cable news at this point, but nothing has really formulated. So. And, yeah. And Larry Hogan looks like an unlikely candidate. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think for a Republican, he's done a fairly good job as in a blue state. Yes. As being governor, he certainly got reelected. Right. Yes. Um. And um, he hasn't hasn't there's not been any major scandal, right? No, I think, or any, no. Any anything that's gotten him national um, condemnation or anything. So I mean, uh, um, and uh, he's not flamboyant like Donald Trump, but he's a sort of an old-fashioned Republican, and he may be willing to do it. He said that he's had. I hope he does. He has said he has lots of time to make a decision. Mm-hmm. He's in no rush, no hurry. And he's right now the only one out there. All the other people you mentioned, John Kasich, Bob yeah. Corker, Jeff Flake, not going to do it. Yeah. So we're pro- left with, I think, the guy is almost a clown, William Weld. Right, right. And I mean, I think in terms of anyone who challenges Donald Trump, I think they would know that most likely they will not make may well they they could make major headway publicly and you know doing presenting a major public challenge to him i think they know that they most likely will not win because of the support that donald trump has among republicans but i think one thing if larry hogan does decide to mount a challenge against donald trump i think he'll struggle a bit with name recognition i mean i think outside of maryland outside of the east coast not many americans really know who he is um necessarily like a donald trump or even a john Kasich, obviously so um, right. it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so far, Donald Trump has not attacked him on Twitter. But no, very I, good point. <laughs> I, I, so I guess he doesn't take him that seriously else he, that so. he would. <laughs> no nickname. No, exactly. I don't, yeah. I just I don't think he's come up with a nickname I yet. don't think he has. We'll see. Lazy Larry, <laughs> crazy, crazy Larry. So there's I, some ideas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. Yeah, he's good at that. Do, what, are, what are your, in terms of what are Americans thinking, what are the issues that, if it's not Mueller report, what are the issues that people say that they really healthcare still healthcare, number one um, for Democrats definitely healthcare for Republicans immigration and the economy and I think it's interesting to look at how 2018 played out we saw that re- Democrats were healthcare 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 and Republicans much influenced by Donald Donald Trump were immigration 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 hmm. and I think Donald Trump with his recent comment you know threatening to close down the border shutting off aid to the Northern Triangle Central American countries that's a ploy for him to really appeal to his base and I think in terms of immigration, Donald Trump and talking about that is making, I think, a huge 
risk because he knows that his political base likes that. And I think he feeds off of that energy. He likes when they respond positively to that. But he's pushing away, like I mentioned before, those suburban voters who would have, I think, would have voted for Romney in 2012, but voted for Democrats in some, in some cases, Hillary Clinton in 2016. So he's pushing away those more moderate centrist Republicans, which are increasingly leaning more left. So that's a major political risk. And I don't think it's as risky for Democrats to talk about health care because Obamacare has been the law of the land now for well, over, you know, over a decade or yeah. a decade, yeah. roughly. Yeah. Right. Um, so and it's it's a popular law. I mean, it might not have been extremely popular after it was rolled out, but people are used to it now. And I don't think changing and revamping the entire health care system. I don't think Americans and polling shows this. They're not crazy about that. That's very stressful. They're you know, people don't like that kind of change. They're used to it. Uh, I've said it before. Donald Trump has has succeeded where Donald uh, Obama never could, which is making Obamacare popular. Yes. Uh, and part of it is just simply it's taken it's been around so long now people are into it. They're, they're enjoying its benefits. They depend on its benefits. And um, taking it away is politically very risky for them. Absolutely. Uh, that wraps it up. Julia, thanks so much for coming Thank in. Thank you. Follow Julia Manchester and all of our good friends at The Hill at thehill.com. Eliza Collins from this USA Today joins Bill us next. Press show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. This is the Bill Press Show. He's in. Yep, he made it official this morning with his video. Joe Biden, former vice president, now running for president. It's his third time uh, and uh, maybe um, presenting the third term of the Obama administration in the person of Vice President Joe Biden. Hello, everybody. What do you say? The Bill Press Show, Thursday, April 25. Great to see you today. Thanks for being with us online, on the radio, and on television as we join you from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., and reaching out to you coast to coast, uh, uh, wherever you happen to be in this great land of ours. We're there with you to talk about the news of the day with the help of uh, Eliza Collins, who covers the Congress for USA Today, and Eliza, two United States senators already this morning jumped in. Diane Feinstein had said ahead of time from California, uh, sort of ignoring her fellow Senator Kamala Harris, right. that her candidate, if he were to run, would be Joe Biden. So we have to assume she will she's now yeah. she's officially because he's in officially. I think she'll live up to that pledge, knowing Diane. Uh, but two other senators joined this morning. Chris Coons. From Delaware. Who has Biden's old Biden's seat. seat and a good friend of Biden, no surprise. And Bob Casey from Pennsylvania. Where Biden is from. Where Biden was born in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Right. So uh, and very much a centrist, both Coons and Casey, a centrist Democrat. Uh, we've heard several clips from Joe Biden this morning. Here's a one more little little taste of that video. And a brave young woman lost her life. 
And that's when we heard the words of the President of the United States that stunned the world and shocked the conscience of this nation. He said there were, quote, some very fine people on both sides. Very fine people on both sides? With those words, the President of the United States assigned a moral equivalence between those spreading hate and those with the courage to stand against it. So he makes a lot in the video of uh, Charlottesville and right. the contrast with Charlottesville, right? So how do, what impact do you think this has uh, on the race? Well, Biden gets in as the front runner. He's leading in all the polls. He has, let's assume, the highest name recognition because he was the vice president. He's been around for a really long time. He's run for president before. But the best day is the day you get in the race, and then it usually goes down from there. But Biden does come in with a lot of name ID. With that video, there is it's interesting because his focus on Charlottesville, that is one of the few times we saw Republicans really separate themselves from the president um, and speak out against the president after his reaction to Charlottesville. We've seen it on trade. We've seen it on um, his meeting with Putin. But that's mm-hmm. about it. And Republicans were certainly more, there was certainly more distance with some and the president after Charlottesville than after the Mueller report came out. So Biden has found this event to talk about that does make Republicans uncomfortable. And he's sort of appealing to that middle section, the moderate Republicans, um, the independents that may very well be uncomfortable by the way the president handled Charlottesville. Um, Is he too old? I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> I, I have no idea what the electorate wants, right? I mean, it's sort of like Bernie. I, I mean, I think that Bernie Sanders sort of killed the age issue four years ago, right? Right. When he not only did as well as he did, but he did particularly well among Young the youngest voters. voters. Right. Right. And we had, I mean, the president is not super young either. Um, Hillary Clinton was at the same age range. And these people, I mean, Biden is energetic. I think. You know, like you said, Bernie changed the game because he was an older white man and young voters went for him. So Biden could do that, too. Gail Collins points out this morning in The New York Times that uh, so you have a Joe Biden at 76 and you've got Pete Buttigieg at 37. Right. Um, She points out Buttigieg is younger than Beyonce. Wow. Biden is younger than Ringo Starr, <laughs> but he's older than Mick Jagger. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, you do. You what just, does it all mean that's anymore, the right? That's thing is, what do voters want after Trump? Are they looking for someone with lots of experience? Because Biden certainly has that. Um, or are they looking for someone, are they still looking for sort of an outsider candidate who will come into Washington fresh because... That is sort of more of a Buddha judge. Sanders has kind of captured that, although he's been in the Senate quite a while himself. But what are voters looking for? And we just we don't know. No. Uh, and by the way, you mentioned um, certainly a name ID. Joe Biden's got that. And Bernie Sanders does, too. Right. Absolutely. And Elizabeth Warren may be in third place on that score. Um, in terms of the polls, even before he became a candidate, every poll that I've seen, Joe Biden is always right. up number one. Bernie usually number two. Uh, morning consult Politico is out this morning with a poll that shows that were the election held today, Joe Biden would have an eight point advantage over Donald Trump, 44 to uh, 42 to 34, which is interesting. As you said, the best day is today. when you announce. Right. But I will say Biden gives Republicans heartburn when I, I ask, you know, 
just folks sources all the time who makes you the most nervous and they always say biden first um and then there's various ideas after that who's second um and sometimes it's kind of like the Buddha judge because he's more surprising and he's just the complete opposite of Trump or sometimes it's Kamala Harris because she can appeal to women and she is a black woman but it's always Biden first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we remind you that uh, John Delaney who is uh, as big a candidate as, as real a candidate shall we say maybe not as big in the polls as uh, Joe Biden uh, one of the 20 will be joining us uh, just about 20 minutes from now here in studio um, to, to tell us why he's running and how he thinks he can beat this pack and end up number one Democratic nominee for president. Uh, John Delaney, former congressman from Maryland, uh, coming up next. So uh, yesterday, Eliza on his way out to uh, Marine One, on his way to Andrews Air Force Base, go down to Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, the president back on a familiar th- uh, fre- uh, attack on the Mueller team, first of all, whom he calls the 18 Angry Democrats. We just went through the Mueller witch hunt where you had really 18 angry Democrats that hate President Trump. They hate him with a passion. <laughs> they were contributors in many cases to Hillary Clinton. Hate him with a passion. How they picked this panel, I don't know. And they came up with no collusion and they actually also came up with no obstruction, but our attorney general ruled based on the information there was no obstruction. So you have no collusion, no obstruction. Uh, I love it when he talks about himself in the third person. Yeah, yeah. They hate President Trump. They hate him with a fact. <laughs> it's right, not him. me, me, him, yeah. him. Right, right. right. Uh, and of course, he keeps coming back to uh, the report. There's my copy. Oh, right? wow. Isn't that cool? Look at that. You the could... U- UPS shop. Can you just get it? Oh. Yeah. Any I know UPS you can buy shop. it on Amazon now, too. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know what it costs at Amazon, but uh, this is a good job from the local yeah. UPS shop. Uh, but at any rate, um, he says, it says, no he collusion. and Bill Barr both say, it says no collusion, no obstruction. That's not exactly what's It's a little report. more complicated than it that. It is indeed. Yeah. There's Basically. plenty of collusion. There's plenty of obstruction. No conclusion of criminal conduct. Right. And Barr took, well, collusion is sort of this word that the White House has adopted for a long time. Barr was repeating that, but Mueller makes clear that's not actually what he's looking at. He's looking at it. It was criminal conduct. He says that there were lots of, not lots of, but there were interactions between the campaign. No, there were many, uh, and and many people involved in it. Meetings with Russia, and the Russians came, say we got some information, and they were very eager to get it. They were eager to have it influence their campaign, but. Mueller yeah. rules that there was no criminality on, quote-unquote, collusion. The obstruction part is more complicated. He laid out multiple instances when the president tried to interfere with the investigation, but ultimately said be- those were not successful because his aides, people like White House counsel Don McGahn, yeah. stopped him. And so that was why Mueller did not rule on obstruction of justice. Barr came to that conclusion, which Trump sort of alludes at at the end there. But Barr was the one that said— because there was no criminal on "quote unquote" collusion, mm-hmm. we're going to say there was no obstruction just to put right. finality onto it. But Democrats do not see it that way. Exactly. So that's what I want to get to: is that the, as far as Donald Trump is concerned, this is over and done with. They had the investigation; they came up with no obstruction, no collusion, and now it's time to move on. Uh, Democrats are saying no. Uh-uh. There are, in fact, Mueller himself says. Why I while I do not conclude 
reach a decision either way on obstruction. And if we could have cleared him, he says, we would have, but we couldn't. Now it's up to Congress. So Congress is <coughs> pardon me, picking that up, and they want to hold some hearings. Now here's what the president says about uh, the fact that Congress wants to hold these hearings, and he said this uh, yesterday about the Democrats in, in Congress. We got that? These aren't like impartial people. The Democrats are trying to win 2020. They're not going to win with the people that I see, and they're not going to win against me. The only way they can maybe luck out, and I don't think that's going to happen. It might make it even the opposite. That's what a lot of people are saying. The only way they can luck out is by constantly going after me on nonsense. So uh, he said in, in following up on that, that, uh, by the way, the, I love that statement. The Democrats are not impartial people. Right. By Duh. nature, <laughs> Congress <laughs> is not. People are members of parties. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not like for the last two years we had an impartial group of people no, in charge. You're in, you're a member of a party. You have certain beliefs. Yeah. yeah Democrats so. do want to win in 2020. I mean, that's not true, but that yeah, doesn't like, mean. Oh, breaking not, news. Right. Democrats want to win in 2020. Uh, but he has said in following up on this that as far as the administration is concerned, uh, they're not going to cooperate in any way whatsoever. Right. It's going to be basically all at war. No documents, no tax returns, nobody testifies. And if they try to impeach, we'll go to the Supreme Court and say they don't have the right to do that. Right. So even short of impeachment, he says not going to cooperate with any of these uh, investigations. Now, without the witnesses, without the documents, what can the Democrats do? Well, they can just raise a lot of noise about the fact that the White House is not cooperating and question why they're not cooperating. And they'll go to court. This this they're not going to just let this go. Um, and there is some precedent for the legislative branch has power to impeach a president if they have the votes mm -hmm. right now. They certainly don't have the votes in the Senate to convict, but they could have the votes in the House. I'm not sure at this moment, but if this continues on and on and they uncover more things, they might. Um, this doesn't go away just because the White House isn't going to play ball. I mean, they might not have star witnesses on TV, which, but they're not going to just say, okay, let's turn away to the, from this. And the this. other thing he says, uh, I meant to mention this earlier, is he's going to invoke exactly. executive privilege right. or is willing to. To prevent a Don McGahn from testifying. Might be more complicated than that. Um, no, so this gets to, uh, that's what I wanted to get your take on. This really gets to, to, doesn't it, a fundamental question of separation of powers. Yes, and USA Today had an interesting article yesterday by my colleague who covers the Supreme Court on Trump's new star justice, Brett Kavanaugh, has ruled in the past in favor or has, I don't know if he's ruled or he's made statements that the legislative branch absolutely has power here. And so, you know, the constitutional, this goes to the courts, the judges, the constitutional justices might just rule against the president on this. Right. I mean, those people who are, they say, follow the strict letter of the law, right? The originalists, if you right. will. Uh, with the if you read the Constitution, uh, the original document is pretty clear in the separation of powers that there are certain powers that the executive has and certain powers the legislative has, and the executive cannot shut down the legislative branch. Right, and that's something the Speaker Nancy Pelosi is 
very focused in on and has been for a really long time, the power of the legislative branch, that it is a co-equal branch of gov- government. And she is, they're not going to get the, let this go lightly. And I just think that this might get dragged out all the way up until the election, um, but it doesn't go away right. by any means. So we are seeing uh, and can expect, and some hearings are already underway, uh, it's the House what Oversight Committee with Elijah Cummings, right? Mm-hmm. Intelligence with Adam Schiff, Judiciary, of course, with Jerry Nadler, Nadler, right? Banking with Maxine Waters, I financial guess. services, financial services, yeah. right? They're looking at sort of the, more main, the foreign, the main yep. fronts. I think that we'll see. Yes, and already next month we do have the Attorney General Bill Barr will be in to the House Judiciary Committee and the Senate Judiciary Committee next week, back-to-back days. Next week? Next week. May 1st and 2nd. That's next week, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So Congress comes back after a two-week recess. The Mueller report dropped <laughs> in the middle of it. They Most of them got to avoid our questions. They won't get to next week. And then Bill Barr shows up. Um, and then they have made the request for Mueller. Barr has said he's okay with Mueller coming. So assuming that is something that Mueller will eventually do next month, and they've also made the subpoena for Don McGahn. That is one of the areas the White House is fighting. Another is to have um, Trump's attorney come in for his businesses. They're fighting that. They're fighting the tax returns. Um, so there's all sorts of things that they are fighting. But we will have Barr in next week. Mm-hmm. Um, and Treasury, the other thing I mentioned this earlier, Treasury Department missed its second deadline yesterday for release, a deadline given it by Congress for releasing the, the tax, tax returns. returns. And now uh, I think it was May 6th, right. uh, um, Steve Mnuchin says, we'll make a decision by May 6th. You know what that right. decision right. is going Don't to be. Don't hold your breath. But <laughs> So this, again, doesn't go away. This becomes probably a court battle. But um, Ways and Means Chairman Richard Neal has invoked a section of the tax code that says that he, he and um, Chairman Grassley on financial services in the Senate, who's a Republican and is not going to do this, um, are the two people that can request any person's tax returns. So Neil did that to request Trump's Mm -hmm. through the Treasury Department. So the White House came out and said, we're not doing this. We're not giving the tax returns. They're not technically the ones that are being requested. It's the Treasury Department, still part of Trump's administration. But the request is to Mnuchin, and it is legally Richard Neal is allowed to do that. So if they push back, Expect that to get messy. Uh, what um, weapons does the House have if they do cooperate? Can they, they can hold people, I guess, in contempt of Congress? Yep. And I believe that they could actually send Capitol Police to arrest someone if they wanted to go that route. There was some reporting that they were discussing fines. Um, right. Fining people if they did not comply. Right. Right. And they can go, which it is expected that they will, they can go the legal route. And they can go to a judge. Um, and it could be, you know, a judge, Trump says he'll go straight to the Supreme Court. It doesn't work quite like that. So you have to go through the legal process, and a judge could rule in their favor as so well. So is, is, it looks to me like Trump's strategy really is. And this is sort of, I think, should not come as a surprise because this is what he did his entire business career, right? Is sue, 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 sue it up uh, to drag things up. Yeah, fight in the courts where win or lose, he drags it out. So is part of his strategy here to drag these things out until after 2020? It absolutely could be. I mean, I think the time you can't ignore the timing. Yeah. But this could help Democrats because actually Pelosi is in sort of an uncomfortable position with her party on impeachment. 
Um, there are starting to be some people who are saying there's enough here. Let's do it. There are a lot of others who say no, but let's investigate. So if they do get stuck in the courts, Democrats can be very united on trying to get information and trying to fight the White House on this. And it also puts off the conversation of impeachment, which will divide Democrats. Um, and so she's able to have her party united. And if this is constantly hanging over the president's head, some analysts say that could make him weaker into 2020, even if he has not been impeached. Right. Well, I'm glad you went there because I wanted to ask you about impeachment next, which is, um, uh, as you say, there are different voices on impeachment right. now. Almost everybody says, of course, Donald Trump committed impeachable offenses. Democrats right. say that, right? right? The question is, do we therefore go and start impeachment hearings or not? Elizabeth Warren took the lead yesterday, last week among Democratic candidates saying yes. Mm-hmm. Kamala Harris joined her Monday night. I think Julian Castro has said the same thing. Um, but the rest of them are saying, no, let's have these hearings first. Right. And Nancy Pelosi is saying sort of the same thing. Right. Don't rush into this. Right. Right. And so we're, what is the count now, do you, do you believe? And will Nancy be able to hold the line? Well, so far, Rashida Tlaib, um, a progressive congresswoman. From Michigan. Huh? Yes. yes. Um, who has a resolution to impeach the president. After the Bill Barr summary came out last month, just that four-page letter where he said, no collusion. Right. Um, she went forward with this resolution. She, Rashida, Rashida Tlaib. Tlaib. She only had one other person sign on. And most other Democrats sort of stepped back and said, look, this is a distraction. Um, I talked to Ocasio-Cortez at that time, another progressive woman who was friends with Rashida Tlaib, and she said, yes, I think the pre- I'd like to see the president go, but this is not what we need to be talking about. Right. That's changed since the details of the report have come out. So Ocasio-Cortez has signed on, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar, who was also a member of that sort of very mm-hmm. progressive group, um, and Congresswoman Ayanna Presley has signed on. So it's not by any means a giant number of people, but there was a shift. Now, none of those people before, all of those people before would have liked to see Trump go. So it's not like they suddenly changed right, their right. minds. But they were not signing on to this resolution. They did. There are other members that I talked to, like Congresswoman Jackie Speier, who is close to Pelosi, who is sort of in that leadership circle. She's been around a really yeah, long time. Yeah. Who, right after the Mueller report, pointed out what you mentioned earlier, saying Mueller yeah. is basically begging us to do something, and we'll have to see if what we find out means impeachment. But it felt significant to me, because she is not a super progressive member. She is close to leadership, for her to say that's on the table. And then after that comment, we started to see other people, including Pelosi, say, if that's where the facts lead, that's where they lead. Right. Which is a shift for her, because a month ago, she told me that impeachment was a gift to the president. So the fact that she's even now saying, if the facts lead there, is a small shift. Right. Uh, But a lot of people do see it, and Bernie Sanders even, as progressive as he is, made this point in the debate on CNN, or the town hall, CNN town hall Monday night, it would really suck up all the oxygen in the room, wouldn't it? I mean, you'd cover Congress. Absolutely. And that's all people would be talking about, right, for the next year and a half. Absolutely. Trump, 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 Mueller, Mueller, Mueller. And for all of those very loud progressive freshmen, there's a whole bunch of um, more moderate freshmen who are in very competitive seats who promise to work across the aisle, 
who promised to lower prescription drug prices, address health care, do infrastructure. There is no way that White House or Republicans work with Democrats and vice versa if they're impeachment proceedings. So there's a whole group of people who are in danger of losing their seat and also 2020 candidates who would like the conversation to be about policies and how they can be different that will not get to talk about those things mm-hmm. if impeachment's on the table. Right. Um, so while we're speaking, of course, Donald Trump never stops tweeting. Um, and uh, he has, of course, noticed the fact that Joe Biden is in the race. Of course. I just have to uh, share this with you and our uh, listeners and viewers. Uh, Donald Trump just tweeting a couple of minutes ago. Welcome to the race. He used that for Joe Donnelly as well. He likes saying Sleepy Joe. He He's used like, that for Chuck Todd, too, didn't he? Sleepy Eyes Chuck yeah, or something? Yeah, yes. Yeah, And then Chuck cr- Crying Chuck Schumer, C- different than Chuck, Sleepy right. Eyes Chuck Todd. Okay. Welcome to the race, Sleepy Joe. I only hope you have the intelligence, long in doubt, to wage a successful primary campaign. It will be nasty. Primary campaign. It will be nasty. You will be dealing with people who truly have some very sick and demented ideas. But if you make it, I will see you at the starting gate. <laughs> I love when Trump weighs in on the race. He has got all kinds of thoughts. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, he, he, he can't resist. Right? He can't resist. But any Biden other president makes... would be just. Right, don't address the time. your. Yeah. No. Biden makes this White House and Republicans nervous. So Trump might be tweeting that, and Trump might not be himself nervous, but there are certainly a lot of Republicans who think that Biden could beat Trump. Right. Because he appeals to those working-class voters that were Obama, and then they went for Trump. And in part, they might have been Obama because Biden was on the ticket. And that's who he's he's very focused on, but he also brings along, obviously, the Democratic coalition. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Um, No, I've... uh, We had... uh, now, Standish was in yesterday from The Hill, who has written on that point, too, that the one that the White House seems to be most, they won't say it publicly, right, but right. privately, that they're watching most closely, right? And he's, you know, he's a very experiment, experienced politician. Right. He's run a lot of races. So how have you enjoyed those two weeks off? Well, it didn't really feel like time <laughs> off. The Mueller report dropped in the middle I know, of it. I know, I uh, know. So, no coincidence, by the way, right? Right, just right before Easter and Passover. And uh, Congress out of and Congress well, Congress out right. of town. But they we'll come back. Ask. They come back next. They'll be week. back next week, and we will. All right. We're not going to forget about that report. Uh, we'll be uh, asking you'll them. be lying in wait for them. I know. We can count on that. Eliza Collins from USA Today. USAToday.com. Uh, as promised, uh, honored to welcome to the studio next one of those 2020 uh, Democratic candidates for president. Uh, get his comments on Joe Biden's entry into the race and also why he's running and how he expects to beat the rest of the field. Congressman John Delaney from Maryland coming up next here on The Bill Press Show. Eliza Collins, thanks for joining us. Thank you. A quick break. We'll be right back. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And on the Thursday, Thursday, April 25, how about it? 
The Bill Press Show, live from our nation's capital, uh, joining you everywhere in this great land of ours, coast to coast, on the radio, online, and on television, uh, on the radio out in Chicago. Hello, WCPT, all you great listeners in Chicago and the Chicago area. On television, hello, all of you free speech TV good folks, and uh, online on YouTube, youtube.com. Joining you uh, worldwide on the great YouTube uh, channel uh, and with uh, all the news of the day. Uh, again, we are expecting in a minute, any moment now, uh, Congressman John Delaney, former Congressman John Delaney, uh, candidate for president 2020, the first one to jump into the race on a very important day, the day that, uh, so Congressman will be here, we're told, very shortly. Um, we, um, again, it's a big day. Uh, because we got the, if he's the first, the most recent of the Democrats to announce for president is none other than former Vice President Joe Biden, uh, who made it official this morning. Uh, his plan is the release of the video today. He has a big fundraiser tonight in Philadelphia. And then Monday, he will do his official big crowd launch in Pittsburgh a launch that's sponsored in large part by labor unions, particularly the International Association of Firefighters under President Harold Schaitberger and the United Steelworkers under President Leo Girard. Uh, here's just a little bit from Joe Biden's uh, video. Everything that has made America, America is at stake. That's why today I'm announcing my candidacy for president of the United States. And Joe Biden uh, says it's all about who we are as Americans uh, and the contrast with what President Trump said down in Charlottesville. And a brave young woman lost her life. And that's when we heard the words of the President of the United States that stunned the world and shocked the conscience of this nation. He said there were, quote, some very fine people on both sides. Very fine people on both sides? With those words, the President of the United States assigned a moral equivalence between those spreading hate and those with the courage to stand against it. Joe Biden, former Vice President, former United States Senator, eight years as Vice President, I think some 20 years, as I forget now exactly, as a United States Senator from uh, Delaware, head of both the Senate Foreign Affairs Committee and the Senate Judiciary Committee, it certainly brings a wealth of experience to the race. Um, a more, he's certainly left of center, but more a center-left Democrat. Um, uh, but still, uh, but, but again, a true progressive as well. Maybe not as progressive as Bernie Sanders. Certainly not as progressive as Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren, but still a progressive left of center Democrat, um, and one that a lot of Democrats are relieved to see. Because they feel he can, um, he's steady. Uh, normal is a word that's used. Uh, he is someone who can appeal to the area, particularly the Midwest, blue collar voters who abandoned the Democratic Party in 2016 for Donald Trump, uh, voters in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and Michigan and Illinois and Pennsylvania, and uh, that Joe Biden's a person who can bring them back to the uh, Democratic fold. Uh, he is rumored to be the 
candidate that the White House most fears having to run against because he is so steady. Um, 76 years old, but that's still a year younger than Bernie Sanders. Um, so, And it looks like the age issue isn't that much of an issue anymore. Um, Joe Biden, the question is, I guess, can he prove that he has this experience, but he's still uh, enough in step with the Democratic Party today, which is certainly more progressive than it was when Joe Biden first hit on the scene, uh, arrived on the scene, or even when Barack Obama first arrived on the scene. Uh, can Joe Biden prove that he's still in step with that new uh, Democratic, new, more rambunctious and progressive Democratic Party today? Uh, the morning consult Politico poll this morning shows that were the election actually held today, Joe Biden would hold an eight-point advantage over Donald Trump. We know these early polls are roughly meaningless, but still, uh, it shows that he's got a lot of support among the American people. Uh, according to Politico, Trump would, I mean, Joe Biden would beat Donald Trump today by eight points, 42 to 34. And of course, in every poll taken among the 2020 Democratic candidates, even before uh, today's announcement, Joe Biden was consistently number one, Bernie Sanders consistently uh, number two. So no doubt uh, Biden will be, he, he, he comes into the race as the front runner. He will be a major force, um, but it's not going to be automatic for him either, um, for sure. Um, meanwhile, by the way, before we get, I want to talk about some of the other uh, Democratic candidates uh, who were on the stage yesterday down in Houston. Before we do this, just one, one little story that I haven't been able to mention this morning because it wasn't a place where it's, I just want to get it in right now. Uh, I don't know whether you saw that there's a big summit going on today. This summit in Vladivostok. Vladivostok, Russia, a summit between Vladimir Putin and North Korea's Kim Jong-un. So here are the two autocrats, right? The two thugs were Donald Trump's two favorite people who are basically getting together to plot against him. Uh, Donald Trump giving support for North Korea, economic support for North Korea, where the United States is still screwing on the sanctions on North Korea until they agree to get rid of their nuclear weapons. Uh, and yet the two of these two leaders getting together over there, we have to wonder what Donald Trump thinks about that. It's almost like they're cheating on him, stabbing him in the back. Uh, and the other thing that I find fascinating about this summit is that Kim Jong-un arrived by train. Yeah, he really doesn't like to fly. Of course, he, he, he did fly to Singapore uh, to meet President Trump. But if he can take the train that he will, took the train all the way from North Korea uh, to Vladivostok. And there are pictures today when the train arrived. Before he exited the train, there were white-gloved North Korean uh, staffers who wiped down the entire train, wiped any dust off the train so that when their dear, the dear leader emerged from the train, uh, he wouldn't get any dust on his hands or on his clothes or, God forbid, on his shoes uh, they had the red carpet rolled out here that, that he that he stepped on. So uh, another world, another world, but a little insight into um, 
how real Donald Trump's foreign policy, how, how, how real, what, what progress we've made, if any, with North Korea, despite two summits, uh, Kim Jong-un behind his back going and making economic deals with Russia to get around uh, the U.S. sanctions. Okay, back to... Back to um, the Democratic candidates yesterday, uh, joining in Houston uh, in a big uh, for, in front of a, a big rally organized by the uh, the organization She the People. This was a She the People leadership conference, uh, and all of the Democrats were asked one simple question. These are women of color, She the People. Um, and they invited the Democratic candidates to come and ask the, the basic question, you know, we're women, we are women of color, we are political activists, why should we support, you? we're looking for the candidate who can beat Donald Trump, why should we support you among all the candidates, why should we support you for president? Uh, in no particular order, each of them approached it in a little different way, just a little favor, flavor of the field. Here is uh, Amy Klobuchar. I can't pretend to be in your shoes. I'm in one of your shoes um, as the first woman in many of the jobs I've had. And I know what it's like to be in that room when people aren't taking you seriously. Yep. So, not a woman of color, but I'm a woman and I've been there. I can identify with you. And um, so, we've got something uh, in common here. Bernie Sanders, um, neither woman nor a woman of color, uh, says, it uh, doesn't matter. Look at my record. I'm on your side. Look at my record and look at what I have campaigned on. Many of the ideas that I brought forth four years ago are now widely accepted by the American people and Democratic candidates from school board to president of the United States. So my campaign is about not just winning the nomination, not just defeating Trump. It is the understanding that we cannot transform this country unless millions of people, black and white and Latino, Asian American, Native American, stand up and take on the very powerful, greedy special interests who dominate the economic and political life of this country. Bernie Sanders before the she, the people. With Beto O'Rourke, his pitch was... Look, um, again, I may not be one of you, but I'm going to go around this country and listen to as many of you uh, as I can. Not something that, that I'm owed, um, not something that I expect, uh, something that I fully hope to earn by the work that I do on the campaign trail, by, by showing up and listening to the people that I want to serve. Uh, so I've listened to them. I'll listen to you, says Beto O'Rourke. Um, Cory Booker, uh, a particular emotional appeal to the group. Uh, he's done this before, talking about um, his mother, uh, and um, certainly as an African American, um, was able to speak directly to them through his mother, if you will. You know, as a man that was raised by a strong black woman, who understood and taught me from my very earliest of ages the debt that I owe. Women of color can trust me as someone for my entire career has been rooted in the communities that have empowered me to be who I am today. Uh, I want to skip Elizabeth Warren here, McKenna, for just a minute because uh, Julian Castro uh, has, again, made that same point. He does it almost every speech he did in his, in his announcement down in San Antonio 
about two women of color who really influenced his entire political career. Uh, I am only here because of two very strong women of color. I have dedicated my time in public service to making sure that people just like my mother and my grandmother could do better in this country. It's why I focused in my time as mayor and as HUD secretary so much on trying to deliver for communities that are vulnerable, that are struggling. And it is a diverse field among the Democratic candidates for sure, young and old, gay and straight, uh, male and female. Still only one woman of color who is running, and that is Kamala Harris. Uh, and Kamala Harris, or Kamala Harris said, again, this is who I am, and these are the issues that I have always fought for. I am a leader on the issue of maternal mortality that invariably and disproportionately impacts women of color, on my history and long-term work in terms of education, including what I'm proposing right now, which is to close the teacher pay gap, which will disproportionately impact children of color and the women of color that are raising them, but my work on criminal justice reform, my work when it comes to economic security and health for women and women of color. There is a long history of work I have done, including my mentorship of young women of color in politics and in the professions. And I would stake my reputation in terms of what I will do going forward based on what I've done, and I believe you can judge me that way. And one more time, uh, it was Elizabeth Warren, just as I thought she um, was the standout um, most impressive of the five candidates Monday night uh, on CNN's successive town halls, uh, Elizabeth Warren wowing this crowd again. Yesterday, she certainly uh, has a strong capacity to uh, inspire an audience. Uh, lots of energy, Elizabeth Warren, yesterday in front of She the People. Why me? We got a room full of people here who weren't given anything. We got a room full of people here who had to fight for what they believe in. We have a room full of people here who had to reach down deep and no matter how hard it was, no matter how scary it looked, they found what they needed to find and they brought it up and they took care of the people they love. they believe in. That's how they got into these seats today. It's how are we going to fight? Not, not just individually, but how are we going to fight together? Are we going to fight because we're afraid? Are we going to show up for people that we didn't actually believe in, but because we were too afraid to do anything else? That's not who we are. That's not how we're going to do this. Yep, Elizabeth Warren on fire. <laughs> That's, you know, every time you hear her, just about, uh, she's on fire. Uh, she's the one been out there with the most big ideas, and she certainly, I think, made the best impression uh, yesterday on, on that front. Uh, interestingly enough, by the way, uh, to my knowledge, and I read a lot about it this morning um, and listened to all those clips, she, the people, the organization did not endorse yesterday. They wanted to hear from uh, all the candidates first. One candidate, by the way, who was not there uh, was Kirsten Gillibrand, who appeared on The View yesterday. Uh, and she was asked about, you know, it was Kirsten Gillibrand who was the very first one to come out and say that 
uh, way back. Uh, Al Franken, when those photograph of him uh, came out from a, um, a, 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 a tour to visit the troops where it looked like he was reaching out to touch the breast of a, of a fellow reporter there, a, a, journal, a comedian there, uh, came out. Uh, uh, Kirsten Gillibrand said Al Franken had to resign from the Senate, could no longer serve for the Me Too movement. And uh, a lot of people, myself included, hold that against her. I think Al Franken should still be a United States senator. That was far from what we saw with Donald Trump and the Access Hollywood tape, far from Harvey Weinstein, far from Bill O'Reilly. Uh, you go down the list, Charlie Rose. Um, but Al Franken um, was forced to give up his Senate seat. Uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, a lot of Democrats still hold that against her. Um, she was asked yesterday whether that's going to hurt her in this race. And she says, well, let her speak to it. No, I don't. Uh, I do think there are a few very influential and powerful Democratic donors and elites uh, who are angry about it. But if they're going to be angry about me standing up for women uh, who were groped, um, that's on them. And if you believe that standing up for women is important in this country, go to KirstenGillibrand.com and support this campaign. Uh, notice the audience didn't applaud when she said that. I do think she's kidding herself if she doesn't think that people remember that. And it is going to be held against her. And I believe it uh, should be. Uh, speaking of candidates who uh, didn't show up yesterday, uh, we'll talk about one who didn't show up today. Yep. John Delaney. Look. With all due respect, um, if you're a candidate for president and you want the attention of a progressive audience, a national progressive audience, and you book that progressive audience and you don't show, you don't deserve anybody's vote as far as I'm concerned. You're nothing but a flake. Uh, and I would say that about John Delaney. He wouldn't even call in given the opportunity. Uh, not only did he not show up. So... You, I think you can judge his campaign a lot by uh, uh, what we saw this morning. We've offered the given the opportunity of every president, every presidential candidate to appear with us. Uh, uh, and uh, we've heard from many of them. We will give everybody the opportunity. Uh, today was John Delaney's turn. Uh, he, for whatever reason, no idea. We just finally heard that he's not going to show up and not going to call either. Uh, and, you know. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, I can guarantee you this. He won't get another chance. So uh, if I were you, take the list of 20 Democratic candidates. You can cross one of them off and uh, just talk about 19. Um, so sorry we didn't bring you John Delaney. And uh, uh, I wanted really to hear from him about who he is, what he stands for, why he th dares think that he... Uh, should be our next president, and what his, how he figured that he would be able to get to the top of the ticket against uh, some of these other big candidates. But we won't have that opportunity. Uh, too bad. On other news of the day, too bad for him and too bad for you. Um, on other news of the day, uh, again, we've talked about Donald Trump and this um, war, basically, that he has uh, declared uh, against Congress. Um, the Democrats in Congress, particularly, we're talking about the House, of course, uh, and their attempt to um, uh, to his their attempt to hold their hearings and his pledge that he's not going to 
cooperate with them in any way whatsoever. Let's hear one more time. This is the president yesterday uh, on his way over to out to Marine One on the South Lawn of the White House, where he talks about and makes his pledge not to cooperate with Democrats in Congress. These aren't like impartial people. The Democrats are trying to win 2020. They're not going to win with the people that I see, and they're not going to win against me. The only way they can maybe luck out, and I don't think that's going to happen. It might make it even the opposite. That's what a lot of people are saying. The only way they can luck out is by constantly going after me on nonsense. And with that, uh, the White House announced that the administration will not only not cooperate, they will aggressively try to block any attempts by Democrats to, A, secure any documents, uh, any financial records, uh, any tax returns, or B, to get any of the key people in the administration, particularly those named in the Mueller report, uh, to testify on Capitol Hill uh, and, if necessary, invoke, the president said, invoke executive privilege to block them from testifying or even so, go so far as to go to the United States Supreme Court and try to block them from testifying, which, as we discussed a little bit earlier with Eliza Collins, will set up a classic confrontation uh, over separation uh, of powers. Uh, and really very interesting, I think, um, be the test for the so-called conservative judges on the Supreme Court, uh, are they going to follow the Constitution, which gives clear, equal standing to the executive branch and the legislative branches branches of government? Uh, are the conservatives going to uphold that the fundamental principles of the Constitution, or are they going to just express their loyalty to the man of their party, the leader of their party, to Donald Trump? Uh, so on several fronts, this is going to be very interesting to watch. Um, I think what Donald Trump is trying to do is fight it all the way. Uh, number one, because he doesn't want us to know what's in these documents. He doesn't want us to hear what Don McGahn or Robert Mueller have to say. Uh, but the other is he just wants to drag it out using the, using the courts, using these phony lawsuits uh, to drag the whole thing out until after the 2020 election. Um, thinking that that's the only way that, uh, that he can get reelected. Um, the one thing we can count on, though, is that uh, Nancy Pelosi, um, Chuck Schumer, Elijah Cummings, um, Adam Schiff, Jerry Nadler, Steny Hoyer, the Democratic leadership, is not going to just stand by and let Donald Trump get away with that. Uh, one other thing that came out about uh, the White House and the, uh, the president's, this just sort of relates to the, to the Mueller report, Kirsten, she's no longer there, but Kristen Nielsen, the former HHS secretary, the New York Times reported yesterday. Uh, it's actually front page this morning, New York Times. Um, she was very concerned about if we the Russians were up to all their tricks in 2016, what might they be doing in 2020? So she went to the White House and said uh, to the chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney, you know, I got a real concern here. We have information already through our intelligence agencies that the Russians are gearing up to try to play games, interfere with the 2020 presidential election the same way they did in the 2016 
I think we got to do something about that. And Mick Mulvaney, according to the New York Times, told her, don't mention it to Donald Trump. He doesn't want to hear about that. He gets very upset if you talk about what the residents might have done in 2016 or might do in 2020 because he thinks you're questioning the legitimacy of his presidency. So the Russians are up to their old games again, we hear, and Donald Trump, again, will, eat, will both deny it and then do nothing about it. That kind of wraps it up here for this Thursday, April 25, folks. It's good to have you with us. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, I'm going to be up in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania for a speech tomorrow. Chris Liu will be filling in, so we'll be looking for you with Chris Liu tomorrow this on The Bill Press the Show. the Bill Press Show.